In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad that you've joined us here today. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is hot in the news, which is the disparity between women's pay and, and men's pay how women can take control of that and do some things for themselves to close that gap. And as well, we'll talk about some other issues with people, women, but I I think they apply to other men and and others who may be re-entering the workforce after taking a break, or people who might be dealing with some kind of gender bias in the workplace, which we typically think of as women, but of course there are men in in roles that are typically dominated by women who may be facing that same bias. So we're going to go through some of the tips and resources that you could need to improve your work situation if you're facing some kind of bias, specifically gender bias, re-entering that workforce, or dealing with some of the other issues that are typically faced by women in the workplace. And if you listened to the show a few weeks ago, we had Kate Bate on the show, and she wrote a gutsy manifesto for women to, to be more gutsy in the workplace and how the good girl doesn't always get ahead. So if you didn't listen to that show, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It will build nicely on to what we're going to talk about today, especially if you are struggling in the workplace, whether you're a woman or, or a man, and facing some of those issues where you feel marginalized in the workplace. And I'm going to acknowledge right up front here that, that of course, that happens for many reasons. It may be gender, male or female, based on the type of environment you're in. It may be age. There's a, there's a lot of other factors that can play into us being and or feeling marginalized at work. And these tips and, and the tips that Kate shared a few weeks ago are going to be helpful for any of those situations. So what is going on with women in the workplace? So obviously women make up about half of the workforce in the in the U.S., 47% according to the latest data from the U.S. Department of Labor, and yet less than 25% are, are rep- represented in many occupations. So there's stereotypes that, that keep us women out of certain roles. And, and of course, that is true vice versa, but on probably a much smaller scale, so much so that they don't necessarily have data around it. So when we're part of a marginalized group, be that age, minority status, gender, in, an, in a setting, we're going to come across some challenges, and specifically challenges in the workplace that might get in our way of career growth, might get in our way of moving forward. And so how do we adjust for those? How do we take back some of that control? Because of course we can kind of rail against the system and and try to get the system to change, which is a good thing. And we can control our own actions, reactions, and the way that we handle things in our career to do what we can do to best get where we want to go. 
And there's some anecdotes and a little bit of data about how, yes, women make less and oftentimes can make less in the same role that a, that a man is in. And that there's data that women are not negotiating at the same rate that men are. They're not asking for the same money that men are. And so that's a piece of it that we can fix, we can do differently if we're in that situation. And then, of course, there's some data that says, even if they do ask, they get turned down, but we can't we can't control that part. So let's worry about the part that we can control. So if you find yourself the minority in, in a majority situation, what are some of the things that you can do differently that you can do to move yourself forward? First, and this goes for any kind of career growth, is increasing your self-awareness, knowing what you might be doing that's getting in your way, taking responsibility for those areas of of weakness or those areas of blind, maybe a blind spot, and figuring them out and figuring out how to use your strengths to adapt and, and overcome as much as possible. Those blind spots are probably going to be the biggest piece of it. What do you do that plays into stereotypes? What do you do that that gets in your way when you might not even be realizing it? And what limiting beliefs or negative messages are you telling yourself that might be perpetuating themselves into reality? So a kind of a story there and an interview story, but I was working with a group of, of people at a workforce center and uh, teaching a class in interview preparation. And we were talking about age discrimination. It was a really big topic at the time, and it's still a big topic today. There's a reality piece to that, and, and then there's that piece that we as individuals can manage and do something about. So we were going through this process and talking about age discrimination and, and what the individuals could do about it themselves. And one of the ladies shared a story with the class And she said that she went in to interview for this company and right away thought, wow, this company's really young. It was a kind of call center environment. All of the individuals who were answering the phones were quite young. And they were interviewing three people for for the position. And what was interesting, you know, I live in a fairly big town, but sometimes it's small. What was interesting is that another lady who had interviewed for that exact same position happened to be in a class very close to that class, like that next week or something. And so I got to compare their two stories about how this interview went. The first lady told her story and she said, you know, there's three people interviewing for this position. Myself, another lady about my same age, they're in their mid 50s, maybe late 50s. And this young woman, and when she told the story, she had a little bit of disdain in her voice, right? This young woman. And of course, this young woman's going to get the job because this company only hires young people. She said, so I went in there and I interviewed and, you know, I, I, I made it clear that I'm not young. I, you know, I don't know that I'd fit in here and, um, I was asking questions that would help me figure out if this was just a young place to be. She didn't tell us exactly what she said or exactly what she asked, but you could tell by the way she told the story that 
it was probably not a positive experience for the people who were interviewing her. Then again, like a week later, another lady in a different class had interviewed for the same position about the same age. And she was telling this story. She had just had the interview. She was very excited about the prospects. She said, you know, the company was young and I was really excited about that. You know, if you work in a young atmosphere, you stay young, you get to be around all of that energy. And I told the interviewers that I was really excited to be a part of that team. Same age, same experience, very different interviewing outcomes, right? And then there was the lady who was younger and I didn't get to meet her. That wasn't that small of a world. So about a day or two later, this older woman came back and told the staff there that she'd gotten the job. They didn't hire the young person because she didn't have the experience that they wanted. And I was really glad that she made the time to come back and tell uh, the outcome of the story because, of course, it's nice to have the outcome of the story when you want to share these types of things. But I know she did it primarily because we'd had this conversation in class about how she could manage her own age ism in terms of how she acted and how she reacted to things and how she brought the energy into the room and had used her story as a positive example of that without, of course, mentioning the negative example that had been in the class the week before. That's that piece of negative beliefs or limiting beliefs that we bring with us everywhere we go. And if we expect to be discriminated against, we're going to get in our own way. We're going to bring it up somehow. Now, does that mean that discrimination isn't real? Of course not. What it means is that this is a part of it that you can manage. You can avoid perpetuating the stereotypes. You can maybe even actively um, pursue actions and, and energy and those types of things that defies them when you know what they are and you've really thought through what people are, are thinking and can do it in a more objective way and not try not to take it so personally, right? Why are people worried about a woman in the workplace? Why are people worried about someone who's older in the workplace? You can think through what people's stereotypes might be and as much as possible, make sure that you're not playing into them. And for women, a lot of times those limiting beliefs are that I, I can't be aggressive or I'll be seen as a you know, an overly aggressive person, um, rhyming with which, there's other beliefs that may get in our way of acting the way that we need to, negotiating, being assertive. And if we're believing that we can't do those things for certain reasons, it's going to get in our way. And then, of course, we need the skill set to go along with it. How do you be assertive without being aggressive? How do you negotiate for yourself those types of, of skills we might need? So increasing that self-awareness, really being aware of the baggage that we might be bringing into the room and of, as well as the ways that we might combat those negative perceptions if they're going to get in our way by how we act and how we react to things and perhaps even how we show up, our, our presence in the room. Then we might think about how can we find a, a sponsor. So there is a difference between a mentor and a sponsor. A mentor is someone that is going to, you know, give you insight, help you figure out where you want to go, 
um, maybe give you some insight into the career path, et cetera. And that is, that's important. That's a good thing to do. But if you're a minority in the workplace or, or somehow marginalized in the workplace, finding a sponsor can be more important. So a sponsor is someone who actually actively advocates for you. And if you are in the marginalized population in your workplace, it would be important to find a sponsor who is not. So someone who is of that voice. So if you're female, finding that male sponsor who can advocate for you and be an equal to the people that he is advocating to you for. So if it's even a higher level female in the office, the odds are that she's being marginalized as well to some degree and really isn't going to be as strong of an advocate for you as people who are in that minor or in that majority already. So kind of a weird thought, but uh, was at a presentation at an HR meeting where the woman was talking about this and how part of the problem for females and, and for young people is often that their group, their in-group, their network, the people that know them the best, doesn't include the people who are not marginalized within the organization or whose opinions are really valued within the organization because we tend to hang out with people who are like us. So most people who are young have a network who are young. Most females have a network who is female. So when we're thinking about that that sponsor especially, it's getting outside of the group, our, our, net, our, our usual network to bridge and, and get a sponsor who is someone that isn't in that perhaps marginalized population. So as you're thinking about that, you know, if you are a female at work and you want to move up, you want to get into that next level of leadership, who is one to two levels above you that is in that more dominant group? And finding that person to be your sponsor can help you move move forward. Then there's kind of this whole piece about your brand. So branding isn't about being famous. Branding is about being selectively famous. So branding is really about knowing what you want to be known for. If you don't know that, it's really hard for someone else to advocate for you. So what do you want to be known for? What do you want to do? What are your strengths? You have to have that piece of of insight about yourself. And then also, who do you want to be known to? So who needs to know you? Because that's where you want to put your effort into both by yourself and in the ways that you can build your own visibility at work and with your sponsor and, and the efforts that they might put in for you, how are they going to know where the, to direct their efforts? Who do they need to be advocating to on your behalf? So knowing what you want to be known for, what are your strengths, what do you want to do more of, and then who really needs to know you and how can you get in front of them? What are the ways that you can stand out and be noticed, whether that's asking great questions at meetings, speaking at meetings, taking on special projects. You know, there's a a lot of little ways and then bigger ways that you can gain that visibility to that group of folks that you wanna be known to so that they can help you get those opportunities that you might need to get ahead. 
So when we think about what we can do in those environments, it's a lot of it is the the actions we can take, knowing yourself, finding that sponsor, and maybe taking some of those risks, which Kate talked about a little bit, you know, those, those calculated risks to stand out, finding ways to, to stand out and, and do that. Some of the things that don't necessarily work that maybe you think about trying or you've seen other people try is to deny who they are. So that might be women kind of dressing and acting more like men, uh, you know, we need to wear appropriate clothing, but putting on a suit or thinking that we're going to do something that makes us more manly really doesn't work, right? You're still a female. Um, so figuring out how you can still be yourself. It's not about becoming someone you're not. That's not what branding is at all. It's figuring out how to be yourself and, and leverage your strengths in your unique way while still meeting your audience where they at, they're at and communicating directly to that audience in a way that works for both of you, that connects with them. And when we're young and maybe dealing with age discrimination, that can be an issue because, of course, our image and our dress and and what we do may be very different than what people who are older are expecting and vice versa if we're older and going into a workplace that's very young and hip we might be tempted to dress young and hip to fit in but it just kind of makes us look older if we're um not not really doing it right or it just doesn't come off well so thinking about this isn't being something that you're not. It's figuring out how to be what you are in a way that connects with who this audience is. And, and sometimes that piece really isn't um, defined. It's more of we've got to be who we are and and get past some of those superficial things in some different ways, perhaps with our actions, our our words, and, and the value that we bring every day. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk about how you can combat being marginalized at work to get ahead and, and increase your value. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. 
Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about ways that you can combat being marginalized in the workplace. So this might be age discrimination, gender disparities that are happening, um, perhaps minority issues, although sometimes those go deeper than either of these other issues. I think the the topics and tips that we're talking about can help in that situation as well. So we've talked a little bit about having that introspection to know what negative beliefs you might have about that, what maybe frustrations or or you're carrying forward and maybe becoming a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy because you're thinking that when you walk into the room, people are going to do something and and how can we combat those messages? Talked about getting a sponsor, someone who's in that majority group that can advocate for you and, and help you get where you want to go. And then, of course, that visibility piece and knowing what you want, being able to communicate what you want and being able to gain the visibility with the people who really need to know you. So do you know what you want more of? Do you know how you want to be perceived, how you are being perceived, so that you can kind of recognize and and reconcile those two where it's authentic? And then how do you get yourself in front of those people that you really want to be known to? That's that verb part of branding is the active process of sharing who you are, who who you authentically are with others, which takes great communication skills in doing it in a way that connects to them and adds value for them in in who you are and what you want to bring and the value that you bring. So it's connecting those dots. So that's kind of a general overview there of the day-to-day life that you can be conscious of in undoing some of the marginalization that may be happening at work. Now I want to talk about some specific issues that might come up, especially when you're making the transition or you're thinking about advancing. What do you need to be aware of? So interviewing is one of those things that we kind of think of in terms of job search, but it happens in a lot of ways. 
So you're maybe formally interviewing for a job when you're in job search, but when you go into a performance review or you may even go in and and someone's talking about a project that you'd like to be on, there's a lot of informal interview opportunities that happen every day at work. When the boss says, you know, hey, what do you want to do more of? Or, hey, we've got this project going on. Um, You know, would you be a good fit? Or they might not ask it that way, but you have an opportunity to kind of sell yourself in smaller ways. And are you taking a, are you taking those opportunities? So marginalized groups can tend to not take credit when they need to not talk in strong enough language. So when we're telling stories about what has happened, what we've done, it's oftentimes more comfortable to talk in we language. And some measure of that is important to show that we're collaborative or we're an inclusive leader. There are times, of course, we want to make sure we share that we share the the credit, right? We, we share the story with those that made it happen. Very important. However, if every time you tell a story, it's a we, we did this, we did that, especially if, in, if you're in some of these marginalized groups, it's going to rub the wrong way because it feels like you don't have any power. You can't take anything on by yourself. You can't accomplish anything by yourself. So when we're in those groups, we need to be even more mindful of telling stories that show our strengths, our contributions. And perhaps instead of using the we to make that story feel less like bragging, to make it feel more comfortable, there are other ways we can do that, right? We can talk about, oh, I really enjoyed that project, this happened, or I really enjoyed the opportunity to do that on the project. And talking about it in terms of our passion or our interest or bringing that more human piece to the story can soften it a little bit. You know, it's not, I'm so great, I did this. It's, oh, that was so much fun, I did this. It softens it just enough without taking away the individual contribution piece that you give away when you always talk in in we. So if you're in one of those groups, listen to yourself tell your stories. Listen to yourself talk in those meetings. And how can you balance giving credit, which may be more important in a big meeting, to when you're sitting down one-on-one with your boss or with your boss's boss or, or with the person that's leading this new project, can you be clearer about, one, what you've done and what you've accomplished, and two, about what you really enjoy and what you want to do more of? And those pieces going together can be really helpful for you. So putting those pieces together and um, telling the story that's true, we don't want to overstate our impact, our contribution, but making sure that we're not always we you know, it's like, well, who's that? You and your shadow, you know? So thinking about how can I be clear about what I've done? And when you talk about things that you really enjoyed or the piece of it that, that you know, was a lot of fun, 
one, you get some excitement and energy in your voice, which is going to help that person go along with you and be excited with you. And, and two, then brings a different flavor to the story. So balance that, especially when you're in um, those situations where it is more of a quote unquote interview, even if it might not be a formal interview for a new job. Then you come to those places where we get to negotiate. And a long time ago, I did some you know, work on this for women in, in negotiation. And most of what the research says is that we, as women and, and perhaps as marginalized groups in other ways by age, worked with a lot of college students who had the same issue, don't feel like we can ask. So women tend to do it because their standards for themselves are much higher. And I I know that kind of sounds bad men, and I don't mean it that way. But when they do the research, they say that women won't apply to a job unless they have 100% of the qualifications. And men tend to apply when they have 70 or 80%. That's not wrong on the man. It's actually wrong for the women because HR people tell us that they expect the candidate to have around 85% of the qualifications. So women are missing out on a huge pool of jobs they could apply to because they're overly critical, maybe overly self-critical, um, and and don't understand the way the game works. And the game says that if you have 80 85%, apply. Same thing is true when we're negotiating salary, whether we're young or we're marginalized for some other reason, we feel like we can't go in there and ask for a salary. Oh, I haven't done that good of a job or, oh, I'm too new to the job or, oh, I'm 10 years younger than everyone else on the team. Whatever it is, those negative thoughts that we put into our own head of reasons we can't do it, the number one reason that women don't get more money is because they don't ask. And I'd love for that data to go away so we could really look at the data of how often do they get it versus men. But right now, the data really is so dismal in terms of how often they ask that it's hard to put much stake in that other data. So this is up to us. This is this is squarely on our shoulders to take the risks and ask. Now, the risks start earlier than that, because, of course, we have to be standing out in some way more frequently on the job, which Kate White talked very beautifully about in terms of making sure that we're making contributions outside of the kind of daily routine and looking for areas to add value, real value to the company, to the customer through, you know, we say innovation, but it's really looking for a better way to do things, looking for the tangible, practical ways to make things better and and maybe standing out on a little bit of a limb to get it done, depending on our position in the organization. If we're a leader, might have to do it without consensus, might have to do it, you know, and, and step out a little bit to do it. For an individual contributor, that might look a little bit different, but stepping out to add that value. So we've got to take those risks along the way so that when we get into that room, to ask for the new salary, we can do it. Now, men don't necessarily think like that, right? So I wouldn't say if you don't go telling yourself, well, I haven't done anything outstanding, so I can't ask. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's more likely that if you put the whole package together, you can make it happen. But don't let yourself talk yourself out of asking because you don't think you've done enough. That's just the whole problem we were talking about. 
So I'm going into that situation where it's an annual review, it's the salary conversation with my boss, it's uh, an interview for a new job, and I'm thinking about what am I going to do to be able to negotiate this salary? And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk really specifically about the salary negotiation process and how you can handle that in a way that might be comfortable as well as more effective when you have that conversation. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about some tips specifically for you if you are in a, a marginalized group or feeling marginalized for some reason at work, be that your age, your gender, uh, maybe a minority status of some kind. And all of these things can work in both directions depending on the environment that you're in. Some People who are older feel marginalized against some people who are younger feel marginalized. And, you know, I feel like there's one year where you're the perfect age. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's only one year. And then men might feel marginalized in a, in a more women-dominated women career and vice versa, of course, with the most of the data being around women and the pay gap and, and some of those things. So we're just kind of getting to the heart of how you can alleviate it, especially that pay gap, the thing that you have the, the most control over is how we negotiate salary. And this might happen in an annual review. It might happen in a job interview. 
most of the research, I guess, I, I don't know, it's probably not real research, but most of the expert opinion that I hear is to not do salary negotiation within the same meeting as your annual reviews. You want those things to be somewhat separated. And a lot of companies are doing that now, especially since a lot of companies have gone to quarterly reviews, and then you're doing some kind of annual salary update or salary conversation. Bring data. Bring data. So the most successful interview salary negotiator I've ever known um, was actually a long, long time ago when I first started my practice. And she did this. She got the data. She had the job description. She had the regional pay and what that regional pay average was and what it was supposed to pay for. She had the job description and, and the pay range there. And then she had her, you know, her experience And when she went in to negotiate the salary, she said, you know, this is the range you're offering. This is what you're looking for. And here's how I beat every single point. Key number one, she'd already been offered the position. Very dangerous to be negotiating salary before you're offered the position. So, well, not dangerous, but not as effective best to be offered the position first then they've already made the investment into you they have told you they want you Um, most likely they don't want to go through the process again and you have some kind of offer on the table we'll talk about what to do before that here in a minute so she had the offer the salary range that they were offering and then she had herself and she said each point this is how I beat it is there a way we could work together to start closer to the top of the range? Because they had a range and then they had off what should they offered her. You could also do this if they offered you 45, but you wanted something more like 55. How can we work together to get closer to that number or closer to the higher end of the range? It's a collaborative process, feels good for most women, and it is the way that most salary negotiators say to do it and it's also data-based and assertive because you're not saying I just think I deserve this you're saying here's why this makes more sense and how could we work together to get there she won right even at the job she was applying to was a state job they don't typically you know they don't typically negotiate She had a good process. She had a a good reason. She had good, clear strategy for her negotiation, and it worked. So that process can go really well, especially in an an annual review, because you know where you are. You probably know somewhat in terms of the range of types of salary increases they give. But then you have to bring the data. You have to bring the backup material. This is where you have to fight that inner desire to marginalize yourself. So you are the number one person probably who marginalizes yourself. Uh, Most of us are, no matter what group we're in, right? So you have to fight that urge to marginalize yourself and go in there and advocate for yourself. Write down those facts, keep track of it through the year. What are your accomplishments? Where do you add value to the team, to the projects, to the customers? What have you done to contribute and challenge yourself to 
not marginalize those contributions and have that data when you walk into that meeting. Ask for those opportunities to level up, whatever that looks like. You know, it might be that you move from an engineer one to an engineer two to an engineer three. And the people who ask get that done for them. The people who don't ask don't. That's the way it works. It's not who's better and who's not. It's the people who push, not in a, in a bad way, but who ask and, you know, what do I need to do to get to that next level? Those people are the ones that, that get it. It's not really about um, any kind of performance or, or uh, being someone's favorite. It's about knowing what to ask and when to ask and actually doing it. So when you're in an, a job interview, it might look a little different because, of course, they're going to ask for your salary requirements further ahead. I advocate the position of not sharing a number unless you absolutely have to. So you might have some kind of screen, screening interview where they ask for your salary requirements and you can try these questions in that interview. They may not work because the person's just gathering data. They don't have any power or any, you know, they're just gathering data. But you can still try these. So the first thing is always you can ask, what's the budgeted range for the position? What is the budgeted range for the position? So they say, well, what are your salary requirements? Oh, you know, that's a great question. What do you have budgeted as the range for this position? Sometimes they'll answer, sometimes they won't, but at least you can ask. Then they might say, oh, no, we really need to know what you would like to make. And you can say several different things depending on the situation and what you feel might help you the most. If you really feel like sharing your range, Although they're asking you your desired range, and if they ask you your salary history, I, if it's really going to hurt you, I would try giving them a, a desired range anyways. And that should be based on research. So you've gone out to salary.com or onet.com, something, and done the research to figure out what the general range for that position is, and you're sharing that range about you know, it's a big range is okay. So if you want to say 45 to 55,000, it should be based on research and it's a big range so that they have, they know that you're flexible. When you do that, then you get to that point where you are showing that you know something, you're being negotiable, but you also need to be comfortable with any number within that range that you share so that you can negotiate from there. So you first ask, what's the budgeted range? They say, no, we really need to know what you want to make or we need to know what you've made in the past. Share that desired desired salary range that's based on data. Or you can also say, you know, I look forward to talking to the team about salary when we've decided I'm the right person for the job. Sometimes that might work, sometimes it won't. So we're going to talk just a little bit more about this salary negotiation when we come back and then move into some final thoughts of what you can do for yourself if you are finding yourself to be in a marginalized group at work. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.
the business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about what to do and how to advance your career if you find yourself in some kind of marginalized group at work. So maybe age discrimination, gender discrimination, perhaps ability, disability, or minority status. We were just talking about interviewing and, and salary negotiation. Of course, this applies to anyone who's negotiating, but very important for those who typically don't negotiate to understand how they can do it. And this process is made to be more comfortable for you and for the interviewer because of how it's set up. So again, if you're in an interview situation, the first thing we're doing is asking for that budgeted range. I would recommend you do that all the time. It doesn't hurt. It's one question. What's the budgeted range? Sometimes they'll say it, sometimes they won't, and you can move on to the next step. Most of the time, then the next thing they'll say is, no, we really need to know what you want to make or what your expectations are. And they're doing that because they want to see if you're way off. They can't meet you. You know, it's not worth moving any further. If um, you're really cheap, that may mean good things or bad things, depending on the interviewer's um, perspective. But it's probably not good good for you either way. So I recommend having some kind of researched range. So you've talked to people, you've looked at the websites, whatever you can do, salary.com, onet.com, find out what that job typically pays. And uh, uh, you can break both of those down into, into region. So you can find out what that job in that region typically pays. And you share a range that is large, 10 to 15,000. So somewhere between 45 and 55,000. Based on my research, seems like it would be appropriate for this position. 
or you can say at that step if you'd like to. I look forward to talking about salary if if we agree that I'm the right person for the position. Those are both options. The idea is to get them to say number first and asking that first question gives them an opportunity to do that. Um, if you really want to push, you can push. If you want to just go to the range the second time they ask, that is good. At least we've tried to to do that negotiation. Again, you're not really negotiating at this point because they haven't made an offer. You don't really negotiate until they make an offer. And, um, and then you go in there with your data and why you deserve to be closer to the higher end of the range or have an additional five, 10,000, whatever it might be, based on your research and based on how you match up to the job description that they're, that they're looking at. The other piece that you're doing during that interview is, is really doing as much discovery as you can, walking into that interview and really being discerning about, is this a good fit for me? What are they looking for? What are their challenges? So that you have a great idea of how you can help them meet those challenges. That's part of your selling point when you go to negotiate that salary. So the last piece is some kind of advancement and not necessarily in salary, which we talked about a little bit, but you want to get to that next level. You want to move up. This is really where that sponsor comes in. So someone in the majority group who's, I would say, at least two levels above you, so not at your boss's level, but at your boss's boss level, do you have that sponsor, that person that's going to advocate for you and and help you find those opportunities? And this can be somewhat like a mentor relationship where maybe you meet and you tell that person what you want more of and, and they really understand where you're headed but not necessarily that mentor relationship where they are actively giving you feedback because they're probably too high and not necessarily connected enough to for you to do that. You're having conversations with them and, and they're at that level where they can help you get to that next step. When you're thinking about moving up as well, it's finding those opportunities to stand out in the right way. So yes, in a good way, in positive way, but also in ways that demonstrate the characteristics and the strengths and the job duties that you want more of and that are required at those positions that you want to move into. So how can you get yourself into positions where you can get visibility to the fact that you can do those things, where you can get visibility to your strengths specifically around what they would be in that future position. That's one takes your internal knowledge of what your strengths are and external knowledge of what the requirements are at the position you wanna move into and then finding opportunities to get that visibility. And that's really where, um, we just had a show last week where the gentleman was talking about being proactive and, and telling the story about St. Anthony and how he took opportunities and uh, was, you know, kind of constantly pushing. That's really what it takes. And, um, you know, it may seem like other people get places without doing that, but I bet that if you could see what they really did, you would find out that that's not true. They're pushing to build some kind of relationship that paves the way for them. They're pushing to build the skill set that they need to get there. 
they're doing something that is getting them those opportunities that perhaps looks like just magically come their way, they're probably doing something. And, you know, if it hasn't magically happened for you, it really doesn't matter what's working for them. It's figuring out what you need to do. And and I would say that um, John last week kind of hit that right on the head in terms of that proactive push to seek out opportunities for yourself. And then Kate, a few weeks earlier, same thoughts, same conversation around finding ways to stand out by adding value, finding ways to stand out by taking those risks, those calculated risks that add value and and add value to the company and the customer. You know, it's different. Being a loose cannon is one thing, but we're talking about finding ways to innovate and really add value and making that the story of, of your career, if you will, that people see you as someone who takes initiative and, and does things, makes things happen. That's a stretch for someone in the marginalized category often because we almost want to keep our head down and just work harder. And that doesn't work Many other ways we can make it work, but keeping our head down and working hard is usually a myth because if you don't have that visibility, you don't have the relationships and people don't know what you want to do, it's going to be really hard for them to help you advance and for you to earn those opportunities. So hopefully that was helpful. If you're feeling like you're in that one of those marginalized groups, things you can do to take control of it and and do things differently. Of course, we'll keep working on the societal issues and things that cause those barriers. But these are what you can do to take your career to the next step. We'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another guest, another show. And in the meantime, if you have questions or suggestions, topics you'd love us to cover, please feel free to reach out to me, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we'll look forward to seeing you right again, right here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.